Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast series for beginner web developers and general web enthusiasts. Now, introducing your show hosts Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Free Desna Maybe. And hopefully, you like our new intro, our very swish intro that we sorted out this week. So, um, thank you, Fiverr.com, yeah. as mentioned last week. Yeah, absolutely. It was incredible. Um, yeah, so uh, as the intro said, uh, I'm Michael Buzz, and I'm joined by Ed Mann. Hello. And Fraser Hart. Hello. And we are one short tonight because our Ooh. good pal, uh, Lou is, I think, just rammed with work, right? Am I right in no, saying that? No, he's up on holiday. He's flying out to Spain tomorrow. Oh, is it? Like four oh, yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah, where's he off to? Uh, I don't Spain. Know what... I think just, just general Spain. I think there's only one Spain, Spain so it's round there. Yeah. Yeah, he's got loads the of work Costa del Spain. Spain. Costa del Spain, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, well, hopefully he has a wicked time anyway. And, uh, yeah, shout out to Lou. If you're listening to this on your flight out, that would be uh, pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, how's things, guys? Good week? It's been going all right, actually. Yeah, I've, I've managed to get myself, say, get off the project. I've, I'm, I've, the project that I have been working on for the last six months has finally got like a, a bit of an end to it. Um, so this week I've been working on, on a different project, and I say different in, in quote, quotation marks because I'm back on the MU project that, that you two guys both oh, worked on. We were working together, so Living I'm back on dream. that. It's actually, I'm actually really enjoying it because it's in Codeigniter, and I love Codeigniter. Yeah, um, and uh, it's it's just nice to to do something slightly different again. Anyway, and I've I've had I've been working on it like what two or three days now, and it's it's just been a joy to yeah, like I said about a hundred times just now. <laughs> like it's good to get on something different, <laughs> but it, I've already come across a few a few kind of hurdles that I've I've managed to get myself over. So it's been a good little learning experience as well. So it's yeah, it's it's been good so far. Yeah, I've been back on Cody Nights this week, and uh, I have to say I know like all the criticisms, but I love it. You can just code blindfolded. You really yeah, can, and absolutely. just fly through stuff so quick. Um, so you know, if that's what you need, if you, if you need project done quickly, it's it's a nice little tool for that. But I guess you could argue that that you can do that with Laravel and and other such frameworks. But yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I'm a big fan of uh, code night for getting stuff done quick. So have you, yeah. Fraser, have you had a chance to play with Ember yet? Because I know you were talking about that last week. No, not yet. This that project's not actually been signed off yet. So um, yeah, just, as, just as looking as... your chumps there, waiting for it. So, Absolutely, you know, yeah. I really just get, get that yeah. sticker on the back of your laptop. Absolutely, Hell I just yeah. want to dive into it and uh, yeah, buy myself a sticker off the internet, and I'll be content. <laughs> <laughs> Legend. Yes. Uh, how about you, man? Good week. Yeah, it's been interesting actually. Uh, it's been quite busy with the freelance stuff. Uh, many late nights playing around with uh, CI servers, continuous integration servers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So me and the person I'm working with, we. Uh, we're trying to do it the right way. Uh, we're getting a bigger and bigger code base, and we're like, no, we're not going to. We're not going to do the shortcuts. We're going to try it the right way and stuff. And uh, we've, we've, we're doing Git. We're doing Git. You know, we've got our own private server set up for that, which is awesome. But we're like, well, actually, test unit testing locally and stuff. Probably be good to set up our own server. Well, on the same server that we've got a Git um, or Git Alight instance on, just to use Jenkins. I don't know if any of you have heard of Jenkins before. No. Uh, Jenkins, so it's it's a jar. Well, it's 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 off uh, Hudson. It was a it's a fork off that. And what it is, it's just a continuous integration server. And the idea is is that it's very it's a dumb idea. Well, it's a simple idea in a sense, which is great in computer circles to make things simple. Is that whenever I push say a git commit like a commit git commit to that uh, server, it will then go okay, let's run all the tests or do a boatload of stuff and then give me some feedback. 
which is great in the case of say like me and him are working on something and he may be working on it in like evening and I may be working on it in the morning or something because I tend to do quite a bit of work early in the morning because I'm just sad uh, so you know I'll push my stuff live well push myself to the to the box and he'll pull it down but or maybe during that time maybe every hour what we do is we then do just a if we do all the unit tests we run all those bad boys and I've actually and there's a couple of picks I wanted to talk about this week is that some stuff you know some like heuristics and stuff which are quite cool some statistics that we can build and get out of that to then kind of help us build like because we're the 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 sort like the slot the source lines are kind of it's getting quite big now so trying to get this managed and stuff and it's really cool because i used uh github is quite you a lot of github projects use something called travis ci which is an open source equivalent of like jenkins for like doing these things which is running you know running stuff when you when you push the stuff to a server uh, and it's quite cool being able to like do stuff like email alerts. So if there's a problem with a, a commit, I'll get emailed, he'll get emailed, and we'll both get an email saying, look, this is what's wrong and why, which is kind of nice to just let us know before we actually push something and deploy it to actual a box, server box, what's wrong and why. That is very cool. How about yourself? Um, me? Uh, I just had a really busy week, just really busy. Um yeah, just workload is um, through the roof at the moment. We've got a client coming in for a presentation tomorrow, so uh, desperately trying to get a project ready for that. And uh, we'll probably be working through to early hours in the morning tonight, oh, yeah. actually, to get that done. So, uh, Are you doing the presentation as well? No, thankfully I'm not, actually. It's a couple of other people, so if it crashes okay. and burns, it's not really my problem. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just kind of feel guilty. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I want to make sure it's, uh, it's all proper. So, uh, yeah, trying to get that done and... Um, yeah, now balancing two modules at uni, and um, I'm barely keeping my head above water at the moment. So, uh, yeah, loving it, really enjoying it, but um, it's a lot, a lot of stuff to uh, to learn. And you know, whilst you're doing the lectures and stuff and working part time, you're then asked to read like research papers. You so you'll have two or three of those a week, and then you're reading your books as well. Yeah, and then you've got assignments on top of that. So it's just really hardcore and it's really hard to become an expert at any one thing and in fact it's just it's not possible really in my mind you all you're doing really is getting um you're just getting exposed to lots of different areas and learning little bits and then you know if you want to you can then go and learn those things more but yeah it's really tough but some some of the topics are really interesting like um one of my modules is on uh, artificial intelligence okay and, and that is just you know, even for anyone who's not computer science minded, even if you just want to get to the philosophy and the history, it's, it's really interesting stuff because it's it's stuff that's been around since like the fifties. And like you look at some of the big predictions that were there in the fifties about what artificial intelligence was going to do, and it's just never really delivered. And um, I think you had what they called like the artificial intelligence winter, where basically just governments just scrapped any funding for it because they they just gave up on it. Yeah, and, and it's now kind of having a resurgence now because the Japanese took it back up, and you know, obviously the Americans didn't want to fall behind. So it's really, really interesting stuff. And in fact, I'm gonna I'll put something in the uh, show notes because there's um, something that Google did. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but it's called Google Brain. Okay, and it was but, that. What is that? Oh, uh, it's I only found out about it today actually, but um, basically it was Google's big artificial intelligence project. And basically, they obviously tried to make something that could learn for itself and all that kind of stuff. And basically, by the end of it, it just started finding uh, video clips of cats 
And that's what it was spending on oh, this time. I love cats. Yes. It's obviously a normal human being. <laughs> yeah. That story's gone a bit twisted, but uh, I'll put it in the show notes. It's really interesting. Yeah, that and, sounds uh, cool. I, rem- I remember yeah. like, the only exposure I've ever, ever had to artificial intelligence. Like, I used to play a lot of computer games back when I was growing up. And yeah. I remember there was like the first ever game that was that had artificial intelligence in it and it was like the first ever game that came out so there was this big uproar and the game was like the worst thing in the world but it was like <laughs> the extent of the artificial intelligence was like if you keep punching this robot in the head it's going to eventually put his arm up like and that was, that was <laughs> the extent of it like it'll stop walking into your arm and it'll like put it yeah put its arm up but uh, that's yeah that's quite interesting yeah I, I never really actually thought about artificial intelligence in games actually because I know some of the football games now they actually they're supposed to adapt to your style of play and yeah. get harder so yeah so you won't beat me at Pez every freaking time then <laughs> well actually no you will because I'm a I'm a normal plain human being maybe if I just get a load of computer you know AIs on you I'll be alright <laughs> so do you play yeah. Pro Evo rather than FIFA because he's a loser yes he does yeah I'm a Pro Evo man FIFA's all the way do you like FIFA? I don't think you're much of a football guy. No, I don't like football at all, but FIFA's just, it's just the, the competitive aspect of it. Like, me and a mate of mine, like, you said, with, like, we'd stay up, like, pretty much every night drinking beer and playing FIFA till, like, two yes. o'clock in the morning, like, <laughs> screaming at each other because we were score, like, they were scoring goals. But, yeah, I've got no interest in whatsoever in football, but just. Yeah, but beating people is what you want. It, it just ignites, <laughs> that game just ignites something in me that just, like, turns me into an animal. <laughs> oh, that is awesome we're going to have to have a yeah, pre-evo tournament at some point oh, then yeah. so sorry I just uh, completely went off on one there about artificial intelligence but it's so interesting so uh, yeah even like any like obviously we do this podcast for beginners and stuff like you don't even need to look at code just read about the history it's really interesting and uh, it's definitely an area that I think about getting into in the future so uh, yeah that's that very is, cool yeah yeah um, I've got sorry. I've got a couple of corrections that I probably should bring up from last yes, week. Sure, me being stupid, um, which happens quite a bit. Uh, so I finally uploaded my CDM blog post today. Um, yeah. It was the one about fallbacks and stuff. Remember when Lewis a couple of weeks ago was talking about CDNs and fallback, you know, local fallback um, like solutions and stuff. Yeah, uh, I said it that fallback JS uh, checked the if it had a two hundred uh, header response. Yeah. Okay. But it doesn't actually do that, not unfortunately, but it doesn't actually do that. It does a better way, which is the way I want it to do it. It checks for the window variable. So in the case of like, so similar to how HTML5 boilerplate does it with window.jQuery, yeah. uh, it actually checks like that, um, which is awesome. Uh, so that's just one thing I wanted to say. I, I, did, I did say it did 200 uh, responses, but I don't think actually JavaScript can do that, to be fair. So it just okay. checks to see if the window is actually available. Cool. Yeah. Or the window variable, sorry. Perfect. Sure. Uh, any other corrections? Or that, that's uh, I've got well, I've got a blog post as well that I did yeah. this week on PHP traits. I don't know if you've had you two have had a little oh, play around with traits. I want to. Ah, well, maybe this may be interesting for you then, because uh, I, I, I during the early development of a couple of projects, I mean, I, I was able to build up a couple of traits that I use quite a bit. Because uh, during the early stages, you know, you're prototyping stuff, you're chucking stuff away, you're changing stuff, and a good topic we're going to talk about today, the OO stuff, is one about setters and getters accesses and mutators you know the yep. set methods and the get methods can be very boilerplate boring to make uh, you can get ides to do them and stuff but i actually made a trait and i found a couple that were very similar that actually uses the magic methods that are available in php to actually create um these dynamically for you uh, so it just does a call method so anytime you call and you may say set name it will check to see if there's a name property available in that class yep. and it will actually just do the magic for you which is quite cool because then uh, you know, when you actually deploy it, obviously, or commit the code, you probably should 
think about making the actual functions, you know, hardcore fun, you know, hard coded functions. But during uh, during prototyping, it's great just to be able to say, oh, actually, I want to property this. No, I want to rename it and stuff without having all this lingering code and this whole base. Because setters and getters are great, you know, you know, encapsulation is great, but it can be a bit of a pain. Um, and another one was this singleton, pat- singleton pattern, uh, which is quite useful. Well, it's been it used, it's used quite a lot, and there's a very simple pattern for it of actually making it. And I uh, was able to abstract that and put that in the trait as well, which was quite cool. So, yeah, it's on my blog. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. And, yeah, I, I, felt, I find them really useful for uh, initial development. Can I ask you a question on that, actually, quickly? Um, Go for it. Um, my understanding of traits, obviously, just putting aside what you just said, <laughs> but is that you could any sort of – it'll help you cut down duplication of code because you've got similarity of code there that you can just put in one place and, and use those traits – how is that different from what you could do with, say, like um, uh, maybe like an abstract class? It's- so, so uh, traits are the, the way I know traits initially were from Scala, and I'll, yeah. we'll talk about it later on a bit. But the base thing is think about traits as a copy and paste thing, like an include file. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're including that. Now, the nice thing about that is you can have a lot of them. You know, in, say, in our case with PHP and Java, we have like only single inheritance. Yeah. If you inherit from something, you can't inherit from another thing. And again, we'll talk about diamond yeah. problem and stuff later on. But, uh, you know, so the idea with traits is you're able to compose out of a lot of these things and actually put them into the class. Right. And class. You, so it's, it's, yeah. it's able to have more. It's like the interface thing where you can have load multiple interfaces, yeah. but only one that you extend from, one inheritance. But yeah, uh, yeah tra- traits are awesome for that. They, they, To me, personally, they solve the problem of multiple inheritance without having to use multiple inheritance. Multiple inheritance is awful. There's That's so many problems with it. Quite interesting, because even like in, in Java, the topic of multiple inheritance is quite um, quite a highly, widely debated one, isn't it, really? I mean, okay, you can implement as many things as possible, but you can still only extend one thing. Absolutely, uh, and, and uh, I've got a couple, a, bit, a couple of show notes for, well, not show notes, sorry, but some notes for this episode uh, about OO and stuff. Uh, and yeah, talking about the problems that C++ have because they allow multiple inheritance and even Python, I think, does as well. Um, yeah. But Java and PHP have done it the right way, in my opinion, and so Scala. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. quite cool. Uh, any other sort of um, plugs that you want to make? Any uh, libraries, plugins, that kind of stuff? I don't really have any any plugs. It's nothing that, that we knew to you guys because obviously it was working in in uh, the MU project that you've both worked on before. But I, I kind of had to get involved in uh, FFmpeg, yeah, um, to yeah with a load of file conversions because I wrote a, a quite a lengthy Stack Overflow post about an issue that I was having. Basically, um, this this site needs to play audio in in HTML5 in obviously in all, all browsers. Yeah. Um, we had it working fine everywhere apart from Firefox, which the, the issue with Firefox is it won't play MP3s natively. So I had to yeah. work out a way, a way of, of converting the, the MP3s that were uploaded to OGG format. Um, so I managed to yeah do that through through FFmpeg. Um, and then I wanted to do it with using the exec function, which I've never used before in PHP. Yes. Um, so I was kind of like sitting there, like racking my brain trying to work out all these all these variables that you have to pass into FFmpeg when you when you do this. And then after sitting there for about an hour, almost kind of getting it to where I wanted it to be, like I came across a bit of code that I think Ed had written um, in that same project, and it was basically exactly what I needed to do, but like change a couple of the the parameters. So yeah, yeah. That, that was really useful, and, and it's it's a really cool cool thing to to people that 
that don't know because I was actually unaware of this um, before I started using it. Like the the exec function basically allows you to to pipe off something to uh, to another process, with, so it doesn't interrupt your current script executing. So, to give you an example, in in the way I was using it, you'd the, the standard way that, that I guess you could do it would be you'd upload an MP3 file, and then you do the processing on the MP3 file, and then you return whatever you need to. Um, but obviously, if you're if you're going to be converting that MP3 file to a, another format, like I was converting it to an OGG format, that could be quite a lengthy process, depending on the size of the MP3. So you don't want to kind of leave leave your, your user waiting for you while you're you're doing all this processing in the back end. So what you can do is just pipe it off to a, another process, and then the, your PHP script will, will return pretty much instantaneously. So you can do all the all the processing in the background, and it doesn't affect the user the user experience. Um, so that that was a really a really interesting thing for me to learn. Um, and then off the back of this uh, this Stack Overflow post that Ed was trying to help me out with as well, basically the issue that I was having was that the the web server wasn't serving up the OGG with the correct content header. So Firefox was kind of what was the the header that it was returning? Let's pop that open now. Yeah, it was it was returning the the OGG file with a with a content type of application octet stream, which is like a standard the standard content type for like a just a, a raw binary file. Um, and what it should have been serving it up as would have been a yeah basically as an OGG file, but I couldn't quite get how to how to get it to do that. So there was a few things that I that I tried and uh, having investigated on the internet, there was like a, a mine.types file in in the Ubuntu on the on the server. So I tried adding the the correct file file to the the correct content type on there, and then that wasn't doing the trick. And then Ed suggested that I try doing it in HTTP access files within the root and within the the directory that's actually serving up the the OGG file, um, and, and I couldn't get that to work either. So at the moment, it's sitting there in Stack Overflow, like a ghost town. I'm looking at it at the moment, like I posted it. Like, please I answer posted, me, please. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I put it on the back burner because I've got like about another week or so of work on this project to do. So I'm hoping, like, in a week, someone's going to come up with the answer. Um, so it's sitting there. But so anyone like, on this podcast who's listening to this, please help if you can. Absolutely, we'll put it in the I'll show notes. Forever. Please help. Um, yeah. yeah, so I posted this thing yesterday morning, and it's like so far it's had 16 views. So I think it's, gonna, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think like something that I joked about to to any one of the tweets was it's, it's probably going to have to go back to like a a flash fallback, like in 1999. So <laughs> that's that's absolutely not what I want to do. But uh, yeah, if uh, worst worst case scenario, that's that's what I'm going to have to do. <laughs> not ruling it out. Like. Yeah. No, that sounds like it's been a bit of a uh, nightmare on that front. It has, but I, I really do enjoy these things. Like it's kind of yeah. like because the, the way I kind of like the way I look at it is, you get like this this rock with like the diamond in the middle, and then you're like yeah. slowly chipping away at the rock, and it's every time yeah. you get like a, a clump of rock off, you get a yeah. little bit closer, and it, yeah, it just gives you the the motivation to to keep hammering away. And I, I I love it. Yeah, it's really yeah. Like, I'd I mean, way prefer to be put in that situation than just kind of hammering out the same old code yeah. that. That I'm exactly. used to hammering out, yeah. So it's it's been it's been a good experience. These are the times when you're actually learning, not when absolutely, you're absolutely, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, like it. I didn't realize that about. Um, I've used that exec function before, and I yeah. know it allows you to like you know like execute a command like as if it was on the command line. But yeah. I didn't, so it doesn't interrupt your the flow of the script. Then it literally is doing that whilst, and then your rest of your script is still going. That's correct. Yeah. So if you know, like, when you have you have you uploaded video to YouTube before? Yeah. I'd assume it's it's a similar thing to what to what they do there. So you upload the video, and then it says, "I'll oh, processing your thing," and it does it in the background, so you can still navigate away from the page once you've uploaded it, but it's still doing all the processing in the background. So it's, um, yeah, yeah. Ed, Ed might be able to 
tap in a bit more. Like I say, it was it was his that, his that I his script that I kind of followed to to get to where I needed to be. But as from what I understand, there's don't you have to put like an ampersand at the end of it to tell it yeah, to run in, that, in a separate it's process? It's kind of like the naughty thing. It kind of like it puts it. It kind of puts it in the background process. So yeah, yeah. It does exactly what you think you say. You know, like it doesn't say wait for me to finish. It says I'll oh, just carry on. You know. Uh, there's a couple of other things you could use. You could use like a message-based system, um, okay. mm-hmm. like messaging protocols and stuff yeah. um, that can do that. I'm sure, I think, I, I, we always say this, I'm sure we'll do a podcast on that sometime because I've been playing around with that yeah. as well this week, which is quite cool. Um, you know, to, to do stuff, it's like email sent, it's sending emails, you know, delayed emails. You know, you don't want to send the, all this bulk email, you know, in one script, it would may time out or when someone's actually signing up, you may want to do it, put it in a queue and yep. queue it off and then send it off like that, similar to what you were doing. But yeah, the nice way about that is you can yeah do the exec function, put it in the background process, let it do its thing, and then just carry on with your script. Because yep. as you say, the user doesn't want to wait for you to you know do the actual conversion. They just want to yep. get on with their sign-up process or their upload process. Yep. Yeah, and you can get it to notify uh, another script as well, can't you, or to... to- to trigger another script, is that correct? Yeah, yep, absolutely, because yep. Yep, yep, you can then say, once it's complete, then boom. Yeah, fire this in it, yeah. Um, I've got, a, I've got a, I don't know, I've got a couple of picks. Um, Sebastian yep. Bergman, I'm sure you'll know him from the PHP Unit guy. No. Oh, of course I do. No. Well, anyway, yeah, you, you know PHP <laughs> Unit, so he's the guy who made PHP Unit. He's, he's oh, a wow. legend, you know. Uh, yeah, he has also made that. some pretty cool stuff called, like, uh, this is what I've been adding to the CI stuff, like uh, PHP code coverage, uh, Lock, which is lines of code, source lines of code, and copy paste yeah. detector. Um, PHP code coverage is awesome. It shows like how much, how much, te- how many tests you know you've actually written for certain bits of code. And if there are, it's called like a hundred. You want hundred percent code coverage, meaning that every line in your source, or every source line is hit. Yeah. In, in, in all your, you know, for all tests, you know, when you uh, when you're aggregating them all up, it should all, all source lines should be hit. Uh, the lines of code one's quite cool because it shows you like stuff, insane stuff. Like, okay, firstly, like your slots, so your source lines of code, then how many classes you've got, how many interface methods, what's the scope of these methods, etc. The average complexity of methods. It is very cool stuff that is kind of too much advanced really to actually look at on a certain thing, but it kind of gives you this idea of oh, maybe this project's getting a little bit too confusing in these certain areas and stuff. Yeah. And then the, the 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 best one I find is the copy paste detector, which literally just says, "Look, mate, you've li- this this is the drive principle's not been worked here. You've literally got this, and it's in the same place, and it's the same code." Which I would hate that. Ah, uh, well, the thing <laughs> it, it's quite cool because, as you say, like sometimes you know, look, you have to have the thing again and again. But in yeah. certain other things, it's like actually, and it just gives you that little thing, and that's what I like about the CI, you know, server is to be able to say, "Oh, mate, you know, you may be doing this wrong." You know, that kind of general note, gentle nudge, instead of. Yeah, wait until it all goes to live, and then you've turned out you've just got a lot of duplicate code yeah. that you then need to do a fine replace on on all these files. Yeah. Um, another thing, sorry, another thing is uh, Steve speaks. So he's the guy. I'm sure you'll hear. Well, you heard the intro, and then you'll we'll definitely hear the outro. Uh, he's the guy from Fiverr, which uh, um, Fraser brought up last week, which is a great website for this. I mean, I was amazed for three quid we got this guy and to do this uh, sixty words. You know, sounds awesome. It sounds professional. We actually do sound professional. It's quite amazing. Uh, you know, he delivered it in WAV format, this high quality, you know, format for us, and it literally only took like two days. So I can't thank him enough. Great yeah. service. Definitely recommend him. We we'll put him in the yeah. show. It's the link in the show notes. It was absolutely awesome. Absolutely. Um, and then another two links is jstherightway.org which is similar to PHP the right way. 
Yeah. So I don't know if you've looked at PHP the right way. You can look at JS the, the right way, which is very similar to like, this is how, if you get into JavaScript, because I think JavaScript's got a very similar way in, as, as PHP where you can get into it and do the bad way because JavaScript's mm-hmm. around so much. You know, you can get into some bad practice and stuff pretty easy. This, you know, gives you like a nice rundown of, uh, you know, what to look out for, people to follow, people to, you know, to you know, who are influential in the actual, you know, the JS scene and stuff like that. And, you know, what frameworks, what these, all these, you know, buzzwords are, which is kind of cool. Uh, and another one is DigitalOcean. Not DigitalOcean, the actual server bit, though, but the community articles. Yeah. They are great. Yes. I, I, yes, I, I thought that, yeah, because I've used them a lot. And it's your phrase, you know, you, you played around with uh, DigitalOcean. Their articles are awesome. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's like step by step. Yeah, my, my DigitalOcean droplet is, is literally set up following step by step at one of those and it's, it's insanely good that they are great and, and they're brilliant they're, they're very cheeky and what they've done is they literally say look if you want to you know it's a community thing where you upload you know you send them in a, an article and they'll pay you like 50 bucks or something um you know but they get very good seo for that you know which is yeah. very naughty you know well, it's not very naughty but it's very clever uh but their articles are great so fair game to them you know and yeah it's just great great idea and yeah can't can't thank them enough. Like I mean, I've been playing around a bit of Python this week as well, and setting up a server in Python and stuff, and it's just been awesome being able to just look at these articles. And they're, yeah, they're awesome. They're just it's a great place. Like at the moment, it's like the hot place I go to for articles for the latest thing. Yeah, and on the topic of, of server server providers as well, Hulk Hogan didn't get back to us. So uh, yeah, it's probably a flaw then. So if anyone out there is, is listening, I'd say don't ever use this. <laughs> yeah, don't, and don't like Hulk Hogan ever again. Yeah. His leg drop and go to hell. Yeah. Wrestling's fake. <laughs> what? Oh. Don't crush my... Next you say Santa's not real. What? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I think that pretty wraps up our uh, our week, unless anyone else has anything they want to say. Absolutely. Or... No, did you have any uh, any plugins or anything you wanted to... Yeah, not this week, actually. No? Pretty bad. But, uh, yeah, sure. it's been, been all wrapped up in the uni work, so uh, not really. But uh, I'll be back on it next week. Don't you worry. So. Yeah, so yeah, we'll move on to um, this week's topic then, which is, uh, yeah, this is a little bit unexpected, but basically, as we explained at the beginning, um, uh, our mate Lou can't make tonight because of holiday, and, and I think he's had quite a busy week at work as well, but um, so we did originally say we were going to do our second part on HTML, but we're actually going to wait till he gets back, because he's done a load of material, so. That should be next week, I think, so just, yeah. work, you know, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully it doesn't mess you guys around too much. We will come back to it definitely. But um, we thought whilst Lou's off, we do something else. Um, we thought we'd look at or just start to discuss um, OO or object-oriented programming, which might seem like a little bit of a, uh, a, a big step forward considering, you know, we, we've only done, what, nine podcasts and and we've only really talked about the basics of PHP. And, and as we discussed before, unfortunately, we... We can't spoon feed code to you over a podcast. It's just not the right, the not the right medium to do it in. Um, but hopefully, we've given you a lot of a lot of the theory and a lot of resources that you you can learn and, and go to on the web. So this today again, we're not really going to talk about code too much, but really want to just give you some idea as to what object oriented programming is, because the way that you've probably learned, I'm guessing, is procedurally, i.e line by line you just go down a script and it executes in that order and everything's done that way and to take it to the next level uh, like a natural progression in your in your learning will probably be to learn object-oriented programming 
but it is a seismic shift in terms of the way that you understand code. And there'll probably be people listening to this who say, oh, that's rubbish. I learned OO. I went over to it in two days. I don't know what all the fuss is about. But if you're like me, it is something that will really rock your world. And they're lying. Yeah. Well, you do get a few natural geniuses in this world and, you know, we all hate them. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it, for me, it was a huge, huge shift. And, and it really it was really hard for me to get my head around just even the core concepts. And to me, I think it's really important before you even touch a keyboard, and I've said this many times, but before you even try and put down some code, it's really important to understand the concepts of object-oriented programming and just have a clear idea in your mind of what actually it is before you try and translate that into code. So anyway, that's enough from me about uh, what we're going to talk about. So I guess, does one of you want to talk about the the concept of object-oriented programming? Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. So, yeah. So, OO or object-oriented programming is like a common, as like as Mickey was saying, was is a commonplace paradigm that is used in software development today. Um, a paradigm, I suppose, it's probably best to go is a base style of computer programming. Um, so, it's a, it's a style of programming, not actually like a programming language, but a style of programming that helps meet the domains, the project domain that you have, like large businesses use OO. To, and the idea is with OO is you simulate real world objects or objects. And the first language to do that, well, you know, as the name was Simula 67, uh, which was, is considered the first OO language. And, and that, as the name states, is to do, was to do you, was you, sorry, to make simulations and to produce and create simulations in that domain. Um, it introduced, was the first to introduce stuff, uh, you know, concepts such as objects, classes, inheritance. Um, so you've got OO, and then as Mickey, you were saying, you've got you've got the like, paradigm of uh, procedural and imperative. You've got other paradigms such as functional, which stuff like Haskell and Scala, but Scala's a little it merges the OO and functional worlds. But today, yeah, OO is a massive topic, and languages such as Java, C Sharp, Ruby, Python, PHP, they all at their core are OO languages. Uh, well, sorry, they're not at their core OO languages, but they implement OO. Uh, paradigm structures yeah um i suppose the advantages of oo are that they provide a, like a module structure so the idea is because you're abstracting away uh da- using data types and implementing details um hidden inside these data types they allow you to clearly define interfaces that these that users can then actually use uh that's called encapsulation so it allows you to say i don't need to know how you implement this i just know you can do this and that is an abstract data type. That's saying, I don't care how you do it, you can do this. A stack, I know that I can pop from a stack and push from a stack. I don't care if you pop you know, to, the, to a RAM or maybe you're using some funky thing on the web. I don't know, I don't care. As long as I can use you with this interface, that's fine. This then, in turn, makes it easy to modify code and create new objects. It allows you to be able to extend these objects because you're extending the implementation that they've provided, providing your own stuff, say like the stack example, maybe I like your, you know, I'm extending you, I'm going to use your pop it, you know, your pop function to uh, to push pull start, well, to, sorry, to pop things off the actual stack, but to push it, maybe I want to do some logging. So I'm going to extend your class, make a maybe a logging stack, which then logs the information and then maybe even calls the function that you've already done. And that's called inheritance. Yeah. Um, so, and another thing is, so the, the, the OO is very big in graphical user interfaces, which is probably the best way to kind of, we all go through the example of saying, oh, I have a user, 
you know, I don't know, have an admin user, but actually graphical user interfaces are probably a very good way of actually explaining it, whereby, you know, I have a button uh, that extends maybe the user interface and then the button implements clickable because it can be clicked and stuff like that and the, the, it has these methods, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I was thinking just to, um, just to take it back a step for a minute, just to, for anyone who's never done OO before, um, really just to explain what an object is and what, what the difference is between an object and a class and and really what an object can be because uh, for me I think that the beginning was this concept of what should be an object what shouldn't be I mean is is an email an object is a cat an object all that kind of stuff that for me at the beginning was quite confusing um, but I guess one of the things we should start off with is to talk about the difference between a class and an object uh, did one of you two want to uh, to, to go through that? I, I'd happily defer over to Ed again. <laughs> <laughs> if you're happy, yeah. Are um, you happy with that, Ed? Or yeah. I, I can take it if you want. Uh, no, go for it, man. If you want to, you sure? Go for it, yeah. Okay, so but I'm going to say it's very simply. I put it in the most simplest terms that I I possibly can. But basically, a class file is like a blueprint of your object. So if you think of, okay, say you're going to make a human object and your program is going to refer to five or six different humans all of those humans will instantiate the class so they will take from that blueprint and our blueprint will have uh, several different key bits of information first of all they'll have what we call variables relating to state so um, instance variables and it's those that will separate our objects from other objects so we'll know which one is which and uh, what they are. So if I have three objects, which are Ed, Fraser, and Michael, they will have instance variables that say we, we set the name. But then they'll all have common methods that, that we have in the class blueprint, say that we all, uh, we all have a method which is run, or we all have a method which is kick, or a method which is punch. So they're all in our class blueprint, and we... We all, when we instantiate that class, we all have those methods. But it, the thing that, that makes us separate is our, our instance variables. So our name, our age, those kind of things that, that will only be set when the, when the object is instantiated. So really getting back to basics, the, the class is your blueprint and the, the object is the instantiation of that, that blueprint. Did that make any sense to you? Too? That made perfect, mate. That <laughs> is much yes. better than what I was yabbing on about. That that, that is absolutely yeah, perfect. Yep. And I, I think yeah, sorry, you know, me going like hundred miles per hour. No, but, that's all. Oh no, no, but um, uh, yeah, data. It's all about data. It's not about how you do it. It's about the data. You know, the idea is like Mickey was saying. You know, it's instances. It's it's objects. It's about okay, I've got this blueprint, which is a user, and I have multiple, and it's reusing that. It's, you know, dry principle, do not repeat yourself. It's duplicate, you know, it's been able to reuse these things again and again, saying, I've got Fraser, I've got Michael, I've got Ed. What's different about them? The data's different. Not what they can do, the actions, although what we can do is actually extend them, et cetera, and et cetera. But if you initialize, you know, you, you create an instance of them. I'm a user, but these are the different things, which is my data. Yeah. And I would say as well, um, Again, one of the things I try I try to start doing more now since I've been doing my um, uni courses, and someone said this in one of the lectures the other day that 
that to make an interface or to code an interface is easy. To design an interface is hard. And that is, for me, I thought that was a really good point. And I, I do really think that if you're designing a big project, literally take time to get to get back to the pen and the pad and say, especially if you're doing it in an OO way, which you know, hopefully after a while you will, have a think about the classes that you're going to need, how they're going to interact, how you're going to encapsulate data so that it's safe. And on that topic as well, I don't know if you agree with this, but, but certainly for me, I definitely think about encapsulation more when I'm programming in Java than I do in PHP. It's almost, I'm a little bit lazy when it comes to PHP. It's because it's dynamic. It's, yeah, I understand yeah. what you mean. Because you're static and you're compiling it as well. Yeah, yeah. I can understand. It's easy just to build. PHP is great because you, an object, you can actually just uh, you know quickly assign a value, to a property to an object yeah. or a standard class, as they call it. You know, But I mean, I don't know if you lot ever use data modeling stuff like UML, uh, Unified Modeling Language, class diagrams, etc. Yeah, only yeah. in my uni course, to be honest. Because those, those once you start getting, yeah, those are really good. I use that in my, doing my uni course as well, and I've done a couple uh, outside. Uh, it's like class diagrams, sequence diagrams, use case diagrams, and it's the idea that Mickey was saying, get down, pen and paper, get the pen and paper out, stop hacking away on the keyboard, and actually think about what you're making. And that's yeah. when OO comes in, into its like core. It's about... It, it's about abstracting away problems, you know. It's about, you know, people may... I, I always had this thing when I... Because I started off in the OO world, really, and I've only just started touching C, etc. And it was very much, oh, well, I've got a class to do that. You know, I've got the library, the stack interface, you know, stack implementation. I'll keep going back to the stack, but I've got the stack implementation in Java. I don't need to know how it's, how it's made. Mm. I'm building up a bigger... You know, I've got a bigger problem to deal with. I've got my business's problem, my, my customer's problem to deal with. And that's, you know, abstraction, that's encapsulation, that's letting them deal with that stuff, allowing them to update that. And as long as they provide the interface that they give me, uh, you know, and they don't change that, I'm fine. Um, you know, but in the C terms and stuff like that, you know, people, a lot of people do with the, the feet up approach, which is a American hustle. I don't know if you watch that movie or phrase, but, you know, from the feet up where it's literally, you know, I'm going to build everything. Yeah, I'm going to build my own stack interface, well, into, you know, my implementation. I'm going to build my own data structure. And it's like, well, do you really need to? You know, it's, it's about reusability. We've got a bigger problem to deal with here. You know, we've got the client's problem. We don't need to be reinventing the wheel all the time. And that's when object-oriented programming, personally, like functions, but on a bigger scale, becomes, you know, shines and becomes into its own. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, I mean, just stepping away, because really when we talk about OO, we shouldn't be talking about PHP OO. Object-oriented programming is, is a way of programming. It doesn't matter what language, it'll be different ways of you know even classic asp can do oh <laughs> i'm sure that would be a lot of fun as well <laughs> yeah absolutely um but yeah certainly things like java i mean it, if you could start to do objects or intensive programming php then you can move over to java really nicely and it really opens up a lot of things to you but certainly encapsulation with, with java is is really important and so when you progress more, and you might start looking at um, concurrent programming and all that kind of stuff, the the idea of state becomes really quite important. I, I don't think so much in in PHP. You, you wouldn't really worry too much, but certainly in other languages, the idea of state um, is certainly when you get more advanced. I think it's it's about keeping state to an absolute minimum because that is 
That's right. That's the concurrent side of you talking now, isn't it? Yeah. You know, letting you know you're all about this horizontal instead of vertical. <laughs> I prefer the vertical. Let, let let the hardware deal with it. But yeah, no, you yeah. you are right there. I mean, it's funny actually in PHP world. You know, uh, PDO is you know people use that now, and that is a class based. And there's a lot of class based stuff in in um, in PHP now. You know, I like the date time object. Well, class, you know, and and what actually PHP does quite nicely is allow it, it degrades down to what well, doesn't really degrade, sorry, but it provides an interface in function form like we PHP users some a lot of them are used to, but really you can actually and should be using the object for uh, the class instance forms because yeah. that's what it's actually using under the hood, and that allows you, you know, so I think there's a lot more PHP actually that nowadays because since uh, since real good PHP came in five uh, PHP five. Um, and a lot more, you know, building on from 5.4 with traits, etc. You know, things are becoming, things are getting good in PHP, and they're very similar to Java. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure Mickey can, you know, definitely say that thing. He's, he, he played with PHP before Java and finding it actually they're very similar. Yeah. Uh, PHP stole a lot of stuff from Java in that sense. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things in in PHP, new PHP, you know, new implementation, new in, new in, in you know, new, sorry, new improvements and additions to PHP that are class base that can phase you if you're very used to the function and procedural approach but yeah it's a very good thing to you even in php and especially stuff like we're talking about you know code night to laravel i mean this is all using and then we'll get into design patterns and stuff which yeah it's a very important topic yeah absolutely just on that um topic actually because it seems like a good idea at this time uh, you just mentioned about pdo we should probably just talk about, I don't know if we have actually mentioned this before in one of the previous podcasts actually, but it's pretty worth repeating again, this progression that we've had from the old database functions to uh, PDO. So I don't know, Fraser, if you could fancy talking a little bit how, like how in the olden days we would connect to a, a MySQL database before uh, PDO. Before we connect to it or how we'd execute yeah, okay. or... uh, Well, both really, like... Um, yeah, connecting and, and, and running the uh, queries themselves, I guess. Okay, to be, to be honest, like when, I, when I first started using PHP, I came from the classic ASP world, and it was, we were doing pretty much exactly the same the same way that we were doing it there. So it was kind of, yeah. you specify, uh, to be honest, I, I'm going to struggle to even explain it because it's kind of like a copy-pasting, I put in every yeah, project, yeah. and then that was it. Me too. Um, so it was, yeah, I basically, basically <laughs> connect yeah. to it with this thing that I copied and pasted <laughs> into the top of every every <laughs> settings file on every website and uh, and yeah. yeah wrote raw SQL and then yeah. took the raw SQL and uh, and and fo- I can't even put it into words. Think, to be the, with you. I can't even think what the syntax was. Was it MySQL underscore connect and then you put in your um, your credentials in there? Was that, was that for W3 schools? Or was that for Isn't that for PHP, the MySQL and Squad yeah. Connect? Yeah. Is that right? Oh, oh sorry. Are you, talk, are you talking about Classic ASP or PHP? Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, this is PHP, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, my, yeah good old MySQL and Squad Connect. And then it would have a resource. Uh, you could supply yeah. a resource. Each, uh, you could have multiple resources or you could use the default one. Uh, and then you'd have MySQL underscore query. Uh, you do the whole simple thing, you know, MySQL underscore connect or die which is always a nice one yeah uh, and then yeah. you do while fetch you know fetch another record etc etc uh, and the idea really there was you're just using these functions and it would either you could share a resource or you could just use the default resource that it would provide you with pdo uh, that the idea is you're then now got instances of blueprint classes which means then you can have multiple ones of these you can encapsulate the data inside of there and you can say you can do stuff uh, like sql um sorry 
you can do stuff like uh, sanitization uh, of data and stuff. And the idea is to stop SQL injection, et cetera, which was a big problem with the MySQL yeah. underscore connect, et cetera, uh, plugin. Uh, that that is now been deprecated. I think it's been removed in five five, which is kind of nice. Um, is that right? I think so. Five five has been removed. I could be wrong, but I know it was deprecated in five four. I, I think actually maybe it's five six that they remove. I think it's it's two yeah. uh, release cycles. Um, but yes, yeah, so the idea then is now that we actually use objects, we create an instance of this object. We use exceptions, etc., to, to handle errors, not just false or minus one or something like that. And yeah, really, I, the idea is to get into the OA approach. And because, you know, the great thing with PDO then is actually, in a sense, you could probably extend the PDO object to do stuff that you, maybe you want. Maybe you want a PDO user or something, you know, and it has special methods just for you that maybe just do queries and stuff, but have all the functionality of PDO, have maybe have get users, et cetera, or, you know, stuff like that, allow you to extend it for your, to handle what you need. Absolutely. I mean, looking back, I mean, it was so easy to do, though, wasn't it, to connect to a database to make those queries. And I guess a lot of people will be listening and say, well, so is PDO. But I'd say it's a little bit more fiddly, especially if you've not, um, if you're not used to OO. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was with a friend today and we were, we, I, I was helping him out learn a bit of PHP and stuff. And we, um, yeah, I mean, PDO is funny because you go through all this stuff and, you, you know, you're teaching functions and simple, you know, dollar underscore gets and stuff. And then you get to PDO and you're like, Am I going to have to bring up the whole OO concepts and stuff? Like, oh, what's a new class and stuff? And it's like, that was what was nice about the MySQL underscore connect. You know, it was simple and it got the job done and we used it for many years. But you do come, you do hit, you know, a, a, you know, a wall eventually for like, I need to like, start abstracting this. Code base is getting too big. I can't just rely on, you know, first class, you know, class functions pretty much. Just a bunch of functions that have different names, underscore two, et cetera, or something like that for yeah. a function, you know, and, in, you know, inheriting and, code you know reduction and du- and stopping duplication etc yeah i i mean i i certainly do think i mean probably a lot of people screaming at me listening to this but i do find pdo a little bit more fiddly and i would say debugging as well is is a little bit more tricky because you have to do okay uh what's it pdo colon colon error info is it or something yeah, like that you, or- can, you can enable exceptions which is what i normally do now which is just it throws the exception but again that's a whole okay. other, that's a whole other thing you have to then set up yeah. and if you don't yeah. know exceptions and it's hard to get into and and i was like with new people it is hard to kind of jump in at that end but yeah the benefits are that pdo is great it's php data objects it, the, there's a bunch of drivers in there. You can use it with MySQL, SQLite, Postgres, MS SQL, etc. Yeah. Um, and it will provide yeah. you with a good learning block, you know, good learning material. And there is good material online for it. Jeffrey Way's done some great stuff, which allows you to understand the benefits of using classes and instances yeah. inside the actual core of PHP, which is kind of cool. Yeah. You know, you said about these exceptions and, and what have you. Um, this this project that I've been working on for the last six months is an API that I've had to de- like kind of delve into every now and again, and all that's done with with PDO and, and and stuff executing there. But I found that if the if the SQL query is incorrect, then it just silently silently dies. And is is that something that can be that can be modified, or should I be doing something different with that? Because uh, yeah. Um, I think you can actually. I think at the beginning, uh, I'll put it in the show notes. You can actually set saying I want all errors on. Okay, say, right. Throw an exception anytime there's a yeah. problem, which is what you want. You want yeah. quick, quick, you know, die quickly in development. You yeah, because yeah, I've die. only had to jump into that a couple of times, but it's it's kind of the only times it ever throws up errors is when the the key value pairs don't match when you when you're passing in your whatever you call it, your placeholders. Oh, the, yeah, prepared statement. 
That's right, yeah. So wait, the only time it throws an error is, is when that happens, whereas if your SQL, or if, in this instance, if the SQL statement's wrong, then it, it, it just hasn't been given me any kind of indication, so it's been a bit of a pain to work with. But Do you remember the beauty of just concatenating a string together? And, <laughs> yeah. And my, my, my SQL real escape string or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, the beauty. <laughs> Truly, they were golden times. Um, I'm just trying to think, like, in terms of, like, some of the topics we need to to cover in this podcast um i think you know polymorphism we'll, we'll leave that for now that's you know there's too much for now even though it's one of those words that seems a lot worse than it is but we'll, well leave actually, it yeah, I, mean, I mean actually to be honest i could probably i could explain it really yeah, differently yeah, poly- yeah. all it is the polymorphism again it's a funky word and all it means is many types it means yeah. i had this class has the ability to take more than one form meaning i can pretend to be something else yeah. you know i can pretend to be say if i'm a um Oh, let's do a stack then. Sorry, I always go to stack for. Say I'm a stack, right? I can pretend to be a list because technically I've got all the things that a list needs to be. You know, I've got a list structure. You know, I can pretend to be, you know, something else, etc. Or yes, yeah, so it's it's like the user thing. An admin user may extend a user, base user, but he can still pretend to be a user because he knows and he is as good as the user was. Yes, I always, well, think of, I always think of it as being he's dumber than a user. Well, he's cleverer than a user, so he can actually do all the stuff a user can because it's up higher in the hierarchy. Yeah, uh, that's exactly uh, one of the things I was just going to say. Actually, is, is perhaps if we talk about how class hierarchy works, and um, perhaps if we go back to example, keep it with the same theme. We we're talking about say we had these we had this human class, and then we had Ed Fraser and me who instantiate that. Let's say that we then. Let's say that we mutant. extend. Have a, have a mutant class that extends it. Oh, uh, hang on, are we extending from mutant or mutant extends from us? Mutant, oh, mutant extends from the human class because we're we're, insta- sure. we're already instances of human. We have a mutant yeah. called Lewis. Yeah. Lewis is a hero. I like that. <laughs> oh, He's the, I love you, Lou. I love you. You know I love you. Yeah. Do you want to uh, discuss then, uh, how mutant would work and um, and then perhaps just touch on like very briefly about how how he uh, polymorphism in that sense yeah yeah so so so, so we've got a human uh, and we've all got a name so we're going to have our setters and getters called get name and set name so we, we've all set our names you know we've got all that we're base humans then we have this mutant and uh, <laughs> that extends human uh, he has a name but he's also got a method called be awesome at golf Yes, uh, and that you know that returns a ridiculously awesome golf. You need to check his YouTube video out that I posted, which is insane of him doing golf. So he's got yeah. a method called "Be Awesome at Golf" and now, "Eat Kebab" as and well. "Eat Kebabs." Yeah. Uh, so we've got those two methods as well. So he's got his set name, and he's got these two new methods called "Be Awesome at Golf" and "Eat Kebab." Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter what the code blocks do, but you know he's got those methods. We then, well, sorry, not he, but that blueprint's got that method. We then instantiate a new uh, object of that class called Lewis. Lewis now has all the power that we have, but because he's because ext- he's extended from mutant, well, no, sorry, because he's an instance of mutant, he's extended from us from our human class. He's got all the power we have, but he's also got these other two methods, and he could also have the ability to override the methods that you know he could then say actually my set name doesn't just do set name it also appends is awesome at the end of set name or something so Lewis is awesome or something like that um, but he can always be us so because he's got the methods that we need to fulfill the contract between our data for our data type our abstract data type he could always be us so we could always chuck him in and this is where it comes into static da- uh, type languages we could always chuck him in to a anonymous list which is a, no, not a, a 
a heteronomous, you know, a list that is the same of everything. He could always be a user. Yeah. But we could never be a mutant. We could never be good at golf. We could never eat a kebab, which well, we we could try and eat a kebab, but, you know. Not maybe, with the same flair. Not with the same flair, absolutely <laughs> not. So, you know, we could never be a mutant, but he could always come back to be us because he's cleverer than us. I do that. I, I, it sounds stupid, but I always say, oh, no, but he's clever. You know, well, that class is cleverer because it knows everything I know, but a little bit more. Yeah. And I guess, really, what maybe we're not touched on, uh, or maybe we have, and I just I wasn't listening, um, is the idea of... Um, Private, public, protected. Uh, leave it at those three for now. But um, let's say with our mutant, uh, like you say, he's extended and he's got all the things from human. As our, say our human has a method called kick, which I think I said before. Yep. Say that method is private, and then basically our mutant tries to use that method. It would not work because. Even though he extends from that class, it, it would not work because it's private. And in that situation, if you wanted to limit the, uh, the visibility of that method, the accessibility of that method, you could set it as protected. Because that would say that anything within me can use me, and then anything that extends from me can use me. And also that's the same with properties, isn't it, as well? Like variables, yeah. like class variables. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... I think we've covered a lot of the, the basics of OO. I appreciate it's a lot to take in. And like I say, I hope, you know, maybe the people listening are absolute geniuses and they've just taken it all in. But if you're, if you're sat there and you're thinking, I haven't got a clue what these guys have been talking about for the past, well, maybe nine podcasts, I don't know. But maybe the past hour, you were not sure what going on about. Don't feel bad. Don't feel silly. Because I was get that it as well. <laughs> 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 but what I usually say to people who, you know, struggle to take it in is like, Literally, just when you're walking down the street, just think of everything in an object format. Think, okay, the car. Okay, there's lots of cars around. There's a Ford, a BMW. Say they all, they might all extend from car class, and they might all have a certain amount of methods that are common to all of them, i.e., steer or something like that. But then they're going to have lots of their own instance variables that are manufacture or model or that kind of stuff. If you start getting into the mindset where you start envisaging everything in object format, I, I find it, it, it helps you to then translate that into code when you start to uh, you know plan your project. That's a, that's a great way of thinking about it. Yeah. It's it's relationships, isn't it? Really, yeah. It's relating things. It's like how can I relate these two things? Then you, but the trouble is, you can get into thinking of over relating stuff, can't you? Yeah. Where you over abstract. Like, oh, and, and the idea actually of OO is to be able to reuse stuff, not only in your project, be able to take it out and use it, and you know, in other projects, etc. You know, because of the, you know, because of the um, encapsulation and stuff. Um, yeah. There's there's other, there's only there's only two other things I would like to say just in yeah. this step is the is inheritance and composition. We've talked a bit about inheritance. Um, inheritance you can think of as an is a relationship. So like in Mickey's example, uh, a car is a vehicle. Yeah. A person is a mammal. So when I'm saying I'm inherit that, it means I am that, meaning, you know, like the mutant thing. Mutant is a human. Uh, a composition is different, is has a relationship. So a car has an engine or a person has a name. And I'm composed of those parts. And there's kind of like a vertical line and a horizontal line. We'll talk about the horizontal line a little later on with composition which comes in very important, you know, when you're building these big systems. But at the moment, concentrate on that vertical line, which is inheritance of, you know, there's a class called car. Oh, yeah, we've got a car. We extend that with a Porsche. 
Porsche may extend to have like a you know a sports car and maybe have an extension to a you know an SUV or something like that, and then those are instances, etc. Yeah, and um, I guess uh, I know we talked about this a few times before, and obviously uh, I think uh, I think we spoke to Fraser the other week about his first experience with uh, so I always forget the name Silverstripe, right? Silverstripe, yeah, Silverstripe, and uh, any frameworks that you're going to be playing around with probably are going to use OO. So before you really get into them, it's a good idea to learn uh, a lot of the, the concepts and the theory. You, you could probably get by without with some of the other frameworks like uh, CodeIgniter, but it, it's more advisable to learn it if you can. Because I, you, I always found with CodeIgniter, the first thing I did was like, people say is, oh, there's a lot of this, you know, yeah. this, and it's like, that's the OO side. And once yeah. you understand OO, you'll be like, oh, I know why they're doing this, yeah. etc., and all that funky stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's certainly for me, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about frameworks in another podcast, but just to re, uh, just kind of wrap up, I guess. But Coding Nitro was my first framework, and I found it so hard when I first. I mean, looking back now, I you know, I wonder so you, why. It was your but, first time with OO as well, though, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And like you say, this. I mean, this meant nothing to me. What is this? Um, you know, now it, I I get it, but. It is a seismic shift in, in terms of the way that you uh, you think about it. But yeah. how did, Fraser, how did you find Codeigniter when you first? Because you, you learned Codeigniter after Silverstripe, right? That's right. Yeah, I came to Codeigniter after Silverstripe, and uh, I, it, it was fairly easy once I had the concepts of. I don't know if it was because, as, as people probably heard, like I, I struggled to to actually define OO and, and and what have you. Like all I know is that I I can do OO programming, but it's kind of I find it really hard to. To actually describe, like in the in the way that you guys have just been talking about it, like I, I wouldn't be able to have that conversation at all. But it's kind of, sure. yeah, I, I really don't know. But it was, yeah, Silverstripe to me was was an absolute. I don't want to use the F word, but a head <laughs> F, and and it was it was a horrible horrible experience. Like the first couple of months of working with that because I'd only done P, uh, procedural before that, um, but then once I had the concepts from from there of the whole MVC side of things going on to to code igniter was actually fairly straightforward to be honest with you yeah um yeah like the learning curve was a lot quicker than i was expecting it to be um but yeah it was it was definitely getting that first experience of of working in mvc and in object orientated programming was was a really scary time for me yeah yeah i was exactly the same and i think it's probably something that that most Certainly, maybe web developers go through. So, anyone listening again, if you, it all seems a bit alien, it's just a natural progression, and yep. and you'll get it, and it's fine after you've been playing with it for a little little while, I guess. But certainly, something I'd recommend. I don't know if you think the same, Ed. But oh, is, oh sorry, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, in general, yeah, oh, in general, I definitely recommend Ed the mind that. reader. <laughs> Glad you agree already. Um, yeah, it's just to uh, just open up. I don't know Notepad, Sublime, whatever you're playing around with. Just create some class files. Just literally, like I said, on top of you know, just walking around and envisaging things as objects. Just, just start writing down those blueprints. Just yeah. open up your class, uh, start writing it down. Just start thinking about your instant variables, what they're going to be, um, and just start thinking about the methods that they're going to have. And I think just by doing that, even if you don't have a project in place, just just start doing that, and you get a really good idea of, of how to do it, and and start extending things. Maybe implement something. We've not really talked about implements. Um, did you that, want to just? That's just interfaces, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah. It's the idea that you know, 
I had this contract that I will fulfill these methods and become that type, that polymorphism idea where I can be that type. I could be you. I could be you. Or similar in a sense to the idea that, you know, Lewis could be us as humans. You yeah. could have like an interface, say maybe as, you know, doesn't like kebabs is an interface. Or maybe, you know, eat, uh, or something like that as an interface that we then, you know, everyone who doesn't like a kebab has a reason for that. So anyone who implements that, you know, we then say, oh, Mickey, who is still a human, but he implements the doesn't like an interface. No, that doesn't like interface. Sorry, doesn't like a kebab interface. And then he, because impl- then he can become the that interface. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, example is definitely a bit wishy-washy, but... No, I'm happy with that. I mean, <laughs> I think you're right. It's just, I mean, it get, I guess the thing is, is, it is just like contract. It says, look, it needs to have these methods. And... Um, but that that's the composition isn't it that's the yeah. that's the vertical line instead of the horizontal where i yeah. can i can have loads of stuff i implement yeah because i could i have these contracts that i can be but i can only extend from one person in our example yeah. and we'll yeah. talk about in another episode now the idea of multiple inheritance which is kind yeah. of stupid uh <laughs> in yeah i mean it really is c++'s idea of it is stupid in my opinion but I'm sure I'm going to get some hate for that. I was going to say, yeah, you'll probably get some But I, 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 you know, traits Reddit. are the way. Scala's the great way of doing it. And yeah, Scala for the win. <laughs> All right. One other thing I guess we haven't uh, discussed is the uh, the role of the constructor, um, which basically, you know, I've talked uh, about how the, the class is the blueprint and your object is the instantiated version of that. Your construct is where it, it becomes that object and you set those instance variables. So you could change those variables uh, at any point in that object's lifetime, providing they've got the right um, access. So they, they must be public or, or you're changing it from inside that object. But the construct, which the syntax looks a bit horrible in my mind so in, in PHP, but basically it would look something like public function underscore underscore construct. Um, and then you've you've got like a, Close, opening, closing brackets, and in between there, you can say what shape the object takes when it first instantiated, when it's very first instantiated. So you can say, okay, create me this object. When it's created, call him Ed. Do this, do that, and then at any other point in its lifetime, you can call methods to, to change its state or or to invoke its methods. But the construct is to do with the very birth of the object. What happens yeah. with its very first? Absolutely, yeah. Well, it's like so you supply the. You've got the parameters that you provide with the construct, yeah. and then you supply arguments to that when you when you create that instance that then you can use in the construct like a normal function. But as you say, it's building up that that yeah. that instance, the the birth of that of that object instance. Yeah, uh, guys, I'm thinking we're breaking up to the hour mark. Am I right there? You are indeed. Eh? Yep. So, did anyone is, have we missed anything really important that I'm just being really stupid and forgotten? Um, or is that, do you think that's a good... I think that's a really solid... Yeah, I, I really do think that's... I mean, there's one thing, I'd say, on top of the fact of like just going in and building your own classes, you know, blueprints and stuff, play around with PDO. Have a little look at that, yeah. like what PHP does, and there's a bunch of other classes in there and stuff, like the date time. Play around with I was the date say, time. Date time, really yeah. good one. Have a go yeah. at that. You know, there's some great documentation on PHP in the PHP docs for that, and see how they've done it. And you'll you and use. And the great thing there is you'll get you have the example. You have the choice to use the first class, you know, the simple functions or an actual object of the same thing. So you'll get to see. Oh, that's why it's better to use an object. And that's actually quite a nice thing you can do in PHP is to have the compare and contrast of why you'd want to use an objects over yeah. basic functions. Absolutely. 
So I think we'll uh, we'll leave it there. But if if anyone's screaming at us right now, thinking, "Well, you've not discussed this or that," honestly, we really would like your feedback, and we, we really love it when we do get the uh, get a tweet or an email. And then, yeah. yes, thank you uh, so much again, that guy. That was yeah, awesome. so, yeah, we're we're officially Ashwin. international now. We've got a. <laughs> An official US listener and yeah. someone who's flying to the south of Spain with us. <laughs> Absolutely. And the American guy didn't complain about how British it was, like the other American guy. Oh, yeah. Did, the, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah four British guys who sound British. What would you expect? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> Hello, would you like some tea? <laughs> but yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And like I say, yeah, anything that we've not covered that you really think we should have done, please. Um, get in contact and we also listen back to it so if we think there's anything we've missed we'll, we'll be sure to bring it up in uh, in next week or the week after but hopefully yeah next week we'll have uh, our main man Lou back and we'll be uh, looking at the second part of HTML uh, for anyone who is an OO expert and has listened to that I'm sorry but hopefully the uh, at least the intro chat gave you some uh, some good stuff to look at and some good resources and stuff so uh, yeah. thanks again for listening uh, we'll be back next week Awesome. Bye. Oh, just sorry, one quick thing. Oh, sorry, yeah. man. Um, the outro will have our contact information on. Yes. Contact yes, at 3 com and our Twitter handle. So that's Boom. where you can contact us. And follow us on Twitter if you're not already. Boom. Yes. Boom. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to 3 Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at 3 com. Or follow us on Twitter at the number three, Devs and a Maybe.